working through five characteristics of a resilient disciple. Five things that uh, research would tell you a resilient disciple of Jesus has. Now, these aren't things that they think will lead to resiliency. They're not things that they, they, they look at and go, they thought, you know what, if, if everybody has this, they should look like a resilient disciple. Instead, what this is, is they looked at people who were living a lifestyle that was resilient. They looked at people who were living out their faith in a way that when storms came, uh, they could withstand those storms, that there was a vibrancy to their faith. And they said, what marks them apart from somebody else who in the same circumstances, their faith falters, their faith is challenged. They don't have uh, quite uh, the resiliency again that it takes to live this life following Jesus. And from that, they came out with these five, these five things that were the most, most, um, um, everybody had these five characteristics. And they were love Jesus, trust scripture, foster meaningful relationships, engage purpose, and live a countercultural mission. And so we've gone through love Jesus and trust scripture. And today we're going to introduce purpose another factor in producing resiliency in the life of a follower of Jesus. And for those of you who are are a little stuck now because I just skipped number three, I just went right by meaningful relationships that you saw on the screen there. Don't worry. We're going to get back to that next week when we talk about it on Thanksgiving because we're doing child dedication and everything like that, and it's all about relationships. And so we want to focus it there. And really, these aren't in a specific order. They're just five that we chose. So, um, when I was younger, when I was a kid, um, I don't know how old I would have probably been, probably, I don't know, somewhere around eight-ish, eight, I think somewhere in that age. My, my brother and I were sitting at the kitchen table, and we were having a lot of fun just hanging out together, and uh, as brothers often would, and you know that when brothers get together, you know, everything is always better, isn't it? <laughs> The trouble's better, the fun's better, everything is bigger. And so we were, we were having fun because we had on the kitchen table after dinner or something, we were, after a meal, we had one of those ketchup containers, you know, like the red ones that you have the little little cap that you pop off and you, you, you put on, not the bigger ones you get from the store, but the ones that usually you'd think of as being a, at a restaurant. And so this one had a little white cap at the top of the little red bottle. And so it was one that was kind of like round. It wasn't one of the straight cylinder ones. It was a little bit rounder. And uh, it was, the bottle was empty. And the ketchup was, it was all used up in the bottle. And so what we were having fun doing is launching the top as a rocket in the kitchen, right? And so we would take our hands and we'd go three, two, one, bang, and we'd hit it, right? And it would, it would pop the top off and it would like, you know, go flying in the air and we'd pick it up and we'd be taking turns back and forth doing this, right? Just having a good old time. Like, we're not doing any harm. We're just having fun. And uh, a couple weeks later, we were all sitting down at the table and we were having a family dinner and my parents look up at the ceiling and they're like, what what are all those little red dots up there? Why is there red dots on the ceiling, on the kitchen light, like everywhere? 
there was little red dots, and it confused all of us for a little while, and we're trying to figure out what, what was it, what was it, what was it? And then we, were, then we finally brought it back to us playing the rocket launchers with the ketchup top, you know, because it wasn't 100% empty. You know, there's still a little bit of residual ketchup in there that blasted out and splattered all over the ceiling. And what is a, what, what would you think my typical response there would have been? Well, it was me. We couldn't deny that. But it was this. I didn't do it on purpose, did I? Didn't do it on purpose. We were just hitting this. I didn't, I wasn't trying to spray the ceiling with ketchup. It wasn't on purpose. How many times have you maybe said that as a child? Where something happens and you're like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't do it on purpose. You know, you annoy somebody, hurt somebody, you know, cause problems. And, and that wasn't your intended purpose, was it? And if you've had kids, you've definitely heard that statement where they said they didn't do it on purpose. So their, their, their sibling is you're rubbing the back of their head because they just got hit really hard. And the other one is, I didn't do it on purpose. I wasn't trying to hit them really hard, right? Purpose. It's a funny thing, isn't it? There's a, there's a connection, though, beha- between our behavior and what we do on purpose or the purpose that comes out of it, isn't there? We can't just escape the fact that what we do causes something to happen. And whether we meant for it to happen on purpose, something still results. So when we live our lives, even if we don't think we're living on purpose, there's still something that comes out of every decision we make. Every moment we have a choice of whether we're going to live on purpose or not. Whether we're going to let life happen to us or whether we're going to choose to live it on purpose. There's a connection between the two. That even as kids, we see that there's a connection and that there's a responsibility for our actions. Because if it doesn't happen on purpose for us, it may cause something and a purpose for somebody else. And so we want to look at that today and see if we can see how we can continue to live on purpose for God. And something for us to contemplate regarding purpose, something that we need to be self-aware of no matter who we are is this. To understand purpose... God takes us through the same process on purpose. No matter who you are, no matter what season of life you're in, God is going to continue to take you through processes on purpose to help you discover and live out your purpose. You may be younger. Uh, you may be a young adult. You may be uh, something like that. Or maybe you've, you've been around the block a few times and you've seemingly been through it all. But at every stage of life, there's purpose to be fulfilled. And God will bring us through it intentionally. He will take us through moments to clarify that purpose in our lives. You can accept, expect purpose to be refined by God a few times through the course of your life. When you're young, you may look at it and see, okay, there's this ahead of me. And then you get a little bit older and it seems like that lens that you've been looking through gets refined a little bit more. 
And then later in life, again, it gets refined even more so. If I was standing really far away, farther, farther away, you may, from a long distance away, be able to recognize me. As I was driving in this morning, there was a lady, uh, and uh, there's a person anyway, that at first, as we were walking, as we were driving down the road, there's a person in a white jacket, like a bright white, clean white jacket, and like hot pink pants or red pants, like really bright pants. And as we were driving along, up close, we could see everything about this person because they were really close to us. But as we drove away, I was looking in the rearview mirror, and I could see them, and I could see who it was, and I could see them for a while. And then the farther we got away, it turned from me being able to recognize that it was a woman walking with her jacket on and her, her, her bright pants to there being some type of figure there with a, a, a light top and a colorful, you know, bottom. And then the further I got away, the further I got away, I could still see that there was a person there, but I could barely make out who they were, whether they had blonde hair, brown hair, none of that was distinguishable. We may see our focus like that throughout life. At first we start out and we're looking out and we see there's something in the distance and we're like, that's what I'm focusing on, that's what I'm heading towards. And then as we get closer to that, there's a refining of our focus, of our vision, to where we're going, brings more and more clarity as to what it is that we are called to do, called to be, how to live. And the goal would be that the longer we're, at, we're going at this with Jesus, the greater clarity and focus and the more high definition we can see as we spend more and more time with him, allowing him to refine us and refine our purpose in life so we can act with clarity. So, Today we're going we're gonna to dive into that. We're going to look at this. We're going to try to accomplish our purpose. And we find that there, there, are, there has been a refining of focus that we will look, look at uh, to come to an assignment or the assignments that grow in us as, as part of what God has. And he wants to accomplish those things. God doesn't have purpose for us, for us just to, it's out there, but for us to accomplish them. Work is not a bad thing. Accomplishing things are not bad. God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh day. God accomplished things. And God will always accomplish what he sets out to do. And as his image bearers, we do too. And so we can look at this and we can say, no matter what season you're in, there's going to be three questions you ask. And you may ask them at different seasons, but these three questions are what you're going to do. Resilient followers of Jesus will ask one of these three questions. Where am I headed? Am I making a Jesus-sized difference? And how do I give others all God has entrusted to me? Some stage in your life, as a follower of Jesus, you'll ask these questions. Maybe when you're younger, you'll be asking, where am I headed? And in the middle of it, you'll go, am I making the difference that Jesus wants me to make? And then later in life, maybe you're asking this, how do I give others all that God has put in me? How do I deposit that in another generation? But we have these focused questions that lead us to purpose. And to best answer these questions, God takes us through this process, like I said, where his heart is to clarify how he is at work and what he desires for us to do through our lives. There's three aspects that I'd love for us to submit to God today, and that is this. 
our direction, our decisions, and our definition. If we allow God to lead us in purpose through these areas, it will deepen our resiliency. So our direction. When we speak of direction, it has to do with gaining clarity regarding our stage of life, our spiritual gifts, what he's entrusted to us, our God-given burdens, the things on our heart that weigh down heavy on us that we need to, we need to help solve. All these lessons that we learn along the way. All of our lives are lived with stages of purpose. And are we aware of the purpose we should be focusing on in the stage of life we are in? Are we directing our spiritual gifts, our skills, our experiences, and wisdom and maturity for the stage of life we are in? And how do we do this? Well, a clear example of direction in the life of Jesus is evident in Luke 9, 51, when he begins to make his way to Jerusalem to begin his atoning work for us on the cross. There was a particular moment in Jesus' ministry when it's shifted from saying the kingdom of God is coming, the kingdom of God is here, come, come, because the kingdom of God is here. It shifts from that to that atoning moment where instead of going and saying, come to me, come follow me, he shifts because he's going to the cross. He's making his way to Jerusalem. And when he enters Jerusalem, he knows that's for the final time. He knows he's going to be killed. And in Luke 9, 51, we, say that, we see this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. In another version, in the NIV, it says this. At the, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The message says it like this. When it came close to the time for his ascension, he gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. To move with purpose means to know the direction we are to go. Sometimes that may be two steps. Other times we may know a number of steps. We may see it down the road just at the horizon where we are to go. But we know the direction we are to move in. Jesus turned and faced Jerusalem. He knew the direction he wanted to go. So much so that he took the shortest path to get there. He went through Samaria instead of the longer way that most Jewish people would take. He went through the land that was filled with people that Jewish people had animosity towards because he had to get to Jerusalem. We need to sometimes turn and actually face the purpose and the direction that God has for us. Sometimes in life we're, we're, we need to do something, we need to be facing something, and yet we find ourselves turning in other directions. We find ourselves turning to entertainment, turning to other jobs, other activities, anything other than the purpose that God has set out for us. And as resilient followers of Jesus, we need to direct ourselves to the purpose that God has for us. In different seasons, it's not always going to be the same thing in every season, but we need to face the purpose that God has for us. It could be to raise your kids in a godly way. 
It could be to be a light in the office place that you work in. It could be leaving a legacy of faith for your grandkids. It could be uh, to grapple with school and, and finishing strong there. It could be finding that right job that allows you to flourish. It could be getting out of debt. There's different purposes that we're all going to face that we actually need to face that direction. It's incredibly hard to get out of debt when the direction you're facing has a lot of credit cards in front of it being tapped and swiped and put into the machine. We need to face the direction that we need to go in, the purpose that God has for us. If our direction doesn't match our purpose, we find ourselves wavering. And when it's wavering, that means our decisions are often in the mix, doesn't it? See, for Jesus, Jerusalem was his direction. But notice in those those verses that we looked at, his decisions that he made in there. He sets his face. He gathers his courage. He steals himself for the moment that's about to come. Because it's not easy. The purpose that he's about to fulfill is not a simple one or a light task. It's going to cost him everything. And so he decides how he's going to think about that, how he's going to face those things. Does he fill himself with fear? Or does he let the Father comfort him? Does he fill himself with can I do this another way? Can I just show some power? Can I jump down off that steeple again like the devil tempted me to way back? Can I find some other way to accomplish? Does he do that or does he steal himself ahead for the purpose that was for him? We can choose how we want to think about the purpose God has for us. See, decisions are all about seeing our critical choices Issues which might prevent us from making wise choices. Our values becoming clear. And even understanding why we make the decisions we do. Why do I continually purchase things when I should be paying off debt? Why do we continually explain away why I can do this versus doing this? Why do I continually be quiet whenever God prompts me to say something about who he is? to a neighbor or a coworker or a friend. Why do I do those things? There's a focus and an intentionality that indicates the value and weight we place on our decisions as they lead to our purpose. Again, Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem, which is his direction. He starts to move a little quicker to get there. He answers people differently. There's something bigger behind each answer. There's cryptic messages in there about his future and about what's about to come. He teaches the disciples with greater urgency, and he prays with greater intensity as he approaches that purpose. He models servant leadership with increasing clarity. Jesus, embracing his purpose, is moving him in a specific direction, and he trusts his Father to establish his steps and the works of his hands. And we use that phrase, establishing his, his steps and the works of his hands on purpose. Because Jesus can trust God for, for that's because he's using words right from the psalmists. 
Writers of both Proverbs and Psalms use, uh, spoke those words in the books of wisdom, and they capture what is taking place in our decision-making process. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says this, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. God establishes our steps. So he can pray, you know, to his Father to establish his steps. Psalm ninety seventeen says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So we can pray to God, God, establish our steps. Establish the work of our hands. And we know that he will. We can trust God for those same things today. Because it's true for us today as it was for Jesus then. In fact, that trust is essential for us to gain the clarity we need to live life on purpose. We need to trust God to be able to do that. We need to trust God to give us our purpose. We need to trust God to help us in our decisions to make, to make the right decisions to go towards our purpose. And we need to trust him for our definition, for our refocusing. You see, when, we, when our direction becomes clear and we start to walk out our decisions of obedience, of surrender, our decisions of trusting that allow God to correct our disobedience, our stubbornness, and refine our lack of trust and poor vision. This alignment process is used by God to bring, by God to bring greater definition to us, to living with purpose, to living our lives the way he wants us to. Definition for us is all about awareness. It's all about awareness. Who am I and who am I becoming? It's both self-awareness and God-awareness. It's both. Who are you and who are you becoming? What is God doing in your life? Who does he continually refine you to be? On one side, we can become aware of who we are, our personality, our spiritual gifts, and our capacity We can become fully aware of that. And on the other side, we become aware of how God is forming us to be more like Jesus and how the enemy wishes to deform us so we never fulfill our purpose. Now, before you think it's it's silly to think that you don't know who you are, I would argue that most people do not have a secure grasp on who they are, a healthy understanding of themselves their limits, but also their awesomeness. Simply asking somebody who they are to describe their personality, their gifts, and their capacity, and you quickly find what a challenge it is. People stumble over how to express who they are. They stumble over how to express the unique characteristics of themselves, how they're uniquely gifted by God, and what purpose he has for them. Challenge you now, just even in your head, think of it. How would you answer that question to somebody else? It's tough. How self-aware are we? And yet, we need to know who we are and how God wants to refine us. Further still, we often offer generic answers when someone says, 
What is God teaching you currently? What is God doing in your life right now? We often want to answer those things. Well, you know, he's just teaching me more about humility. Just, you know, what it looks like to follow him. We answer stuff that may be true, but it's not very deep. It doesn't expose a deeper purpose that God is working on in our hearts, in our lives. Our awareness of God's formation in us may be lacking. We don't truly know what God is doing. And this isn't to mean that at every moment of every day, you always understand what God is doing. That's just not the case. There's times in my life where the very things that I didn't do on purpose were the very steps that God was using in order to lead me where I am today. I remember one time I was uh, playing baseball inside a house. I don't know if I told this story here, but I was playing baseball inside a house. You know, great idea, right? I'm always full of them. But this was, we were playing with a mini bat and, and socks, rolled up socks. And we were, I was hitting socks, you know, and like, oh, look at this. Isn't this so much fun? Until the bat went out of my hand and through the window. But it just happened to be at a kid's camp where uh, a, the girl I was dating at the time, and I think I was 16, uh, her dad ran the camp. And so then I had to walk over to his office and tell him that I broke window. And I didn't have any money to replace it. So guess what I started to do? I got a job working at a camp. And thus I started working in kids ministry and youth ministry and growing in a passion for following Jesus in ministry. But I didn't see that purpose when I put a bath through the window. So I just want to like let you take a deep breath here. You don't need to know God's purpose every single second of every day. There's going to be times where you don't see what's coming around the corner. But you need to be living looking for purpose. Looking for God to say, looking to God to say, God, I want you to lead me and direct me. I want you to continually refine me. And I'm constantly looking for what's around the corner with you, God. Because I don't want to just settle. I don't want to just stop and think, I've arrived. Because there's always something else for us in every season. No matter the season of your life, God has purpose for you. In a garden overlooking Jerusalem, we see a defining moment in the life of Jesus. It says in Luke 22, 41 to 42, it says he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes purpose isn't always about what we, what we think would be awesome for us to do. Sometimes purpose involves challenge, sacrifice. Sometimes purpose involves expanding our vision of who God has in our lives and how we're supposed to love them. But Jesus knows who his father is. He knows who his father is. And so he knows who he is and can stand secure in that. Jesus knows what he has come to do, but he's honest with the weight of it. He knows it's not going to be easy. And he doesn't have to pretend that it's going to be easy. 
Jesus surrenders to the will of his Father to live out his purpose. Jesus sets the example for us to follow. An example that we'll try to get right and often get wrong. Just like Peter did. If you remember, we talked about about a couple weeks ago how he, he misunderstood Jesus' purpose so much on earth, right? So much that he thought he was going to overthrow the government in Israel. He thought he was going to overthrow Rome. He thought going to Jerusalem was about a victorious march into Jerusalem. He thought that being led on a donkey, if you remember, on, we celebrate, when we celebrate Easter, we always call Friday, right? What do we call it? Or the week before, sorry, not Friday. The week before on Sunday, we call it, what, Palm Sunday, right? Because Jesus made a triumphal entry into Jerusalem where they're hailing him king. Peter thought that this was it. This was the moment. Peter, Jesus was going to Jerusalem in, this, in the next number of days or weeks or whatever was going to happen. Rome was going to be overthrown or the beginning of that rebellion was going to happen. So much so that when they're, trying, they're praying in the garden, he's got a sword ready to chop off people's ears when they come to take Jesus. He's got it all messed up as far as what the purpose is that God has for him. And yet isn't Jesus gracious? Even though he misunderstood the direction and denies knowing him three times, Jesus comes back and clarifies, Peter, this is your purpose. You have purpose. And even when you mess up, my purpose for you doesn't change. It's so beautiful that God has that for us as well. That it wasn't reserved for a cute story in the Bible regarding Peter. But it's there for every single one of us when we mess up our purpose. When we think God's going in this direction and he's not. And he has to recalibrate and refocus and redefine our purpose for us. We don't always get it right. And in their failures, there's hope or hurt. Failure can give you the deepest understanding of God's faithfulness, or it can define the rest of your story. And you get to choose. How will you respond in those moments? Because we will fail to live out our purpose fully. We're human. We can't avoid it. But how will you respond in those moments? Will it drive you deeper into God? Or will those failures be something of a defining mark for you? Well, if this hadn't happened, and if I hadn't done this, and if this scenario hadn't happened in my life, things would have been different. I could have dot, dot, dot. What will we allow those moments to do? deepen us cause us to see things differently crucial moments like failure it's as though there are two paths we can choose to walk two directional invitations deeper and different and deeper is all about gaining situational clarity and sovereign perspective where we allow God to reorient ourselves again God, how are you using this season to deepen my trust in you? How will you bring healing and freedom to my thinking, to my emotions and my motivations? Where do I need to change direction? 
Where do I need to change my decisions, my spiritual disciplines, my behaviors, and my attitudes to help me remain anchored? Where it's different, it can be in unhealed wounds. It can be in stopped development. It can be strongholds. It can be limiting uh, beliefs. It can be misdirected purpose. Where we do something we aren't gifted to do, our failures, others' failures, can put in this place where we respond different and not deepening. But Jesus, no matter how different your path has been from the one you envisioned, no matter how different your path has been from what maybe God had originally intended, and how divergent you've been from your purpose, Jesus renews. Jesus restores. Jesus revives. Jesus raises. Jesus redeems. Your story, your purpose is not lost. It's not late. It's not lame. Your purpose is full of light and life. Earlier I shared, each of us is asking those three questions. Where am I headed? Am I making a Jesus-sized difference? And how do I give others all that God has entrusted to me? We tend to ask these in predictable stages of life, and we experience it with those in similar seasons of life, and increasingly to those whose lives look most like ours. You think of it this way, when you're, you're young and you're trying to figure out your purpose in life, what do you do is hang around other people who are young and looking for their purpose in life because you're all wandering around together and it feels safer to wander around with other people who look just like you wandering around. And when you're going through life and you're in the middle of it all, what do you do is hang around all the people that are stuck in those moments too, right? All the moms hang together with their new babies trying to figure out how to do this together. And all of us that are a little bit older, maybe we sit around in coffee shops and, shops and talk about what was you know, and the weather and things like that. But we all ask those questions in different stages with people who are like us. Because in the same stage of life, we have common issues. In the same season of life, we have a common language and ideas. If we are in the same faith, gender, or ethnicity, we have common life experiences. But in other ways, perhaps by demonic design, as a way to divide and conquer, maybe this is contributing to some of the different, some of the wounds, some of the strongholds and misunderstandings, some of the unforgiveness and disunity that we see. What if in following Jesus, one generation's issues could be clarified, could be aided by another generation's experience? What if when our languages and our ideas differ, our hearts desire still to be unified? What if our life experiences are enriched by learning from different life experiences? What if the things that could take a community like ours and divide it because we like music a certain way and we need more of this in the church and we need more of that in the church, the very things that would tear at the fabrics of who we are are the very things that God wants to hold us together, to be a, an expression of the fullness of who we are. Let's say we're better when we do this together 
than when we do this in our own little pockets. Unity was the only thing that Jesus prayed for when he prayed for us in John 17 before he left. He's saying, Father, what what am I going to give them? When you think, and he's praying for us, for future generations of followers of Christ. What does he pray for? He prays that we would be one as he and the Father are one. That we would be united in our purpose, our purpose. That we would know God and make him known. He wants that to be accomplished. Terry Walling says this. He says, Kingdom influence is the byproduct of men and women who allow God to do a deeper work in their lives. If we want to be the church and live the purpose that he wants for us, to have the kingdom influence that comes from that, it means we need to allow God to do that deeper work. Whether you are full of purpose or fearing purpose right now, whether you're needing direction or making decisions or whether you're laser focused, whether you need clarity, there is hope. More so, there is God. We have a God who champions us, his image bearers. He has a purpose for every one of us that beautifully brings him glory. And if we submit to his leading, it will be accomplished. The psalmist says this in one, Psalm 138, verse 8. He says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God will fulfill his purpose. There is hope. There's a security in him that he will finish what he has begun. The psalmist in Psalm 57 verse 2 says this, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. God's purpose in our lives is ultimately fulfilled by God himself. And the Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans 8, 28. He said, And we know that God works all things together for those who love him, who are called according to his what? His purpose. We rest secure because the purpose that we have, the plans that we have, when we're resilient followers of Jesus, our direction is set. Our decisions empower us to walk that out. And we continually have more and more refined definition as to what God is calling us to do. As we pray, I'd just love to close with a prayer of um, Augustine, one of our early church fathers. Uh, and it's in Old English, so you'll have to wade your way through that as best you can. But I think it, uh, it clearly articulates for us our desire to have God um, lead us in this. So let's pray. God, forsake not the works of thine own hands. Behold me, thy work, us, thy work, not mine, for mine. If thou seest, thou condemnest thine. If thou seest, thou crownest. 
for whatever good works there be of mine, from thee they are to me. And so they are more thine than mine. For I hear from thine apostle, by grace are ye saved through faith, and not that of, the, of yourselves. It is for the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. God, may your purpose be accomplished in our hearts. May we see the giftings that you've given us, the experiences that we have, the spiritual gifts that you give us. May they, may they be used in combination to accomplish your purpose in our life. And whatever good comes from this purpose, God, we see that it is more you than us that accomplishes it because it comes from you originally. So may we seek you, seek your salvation. And may our works not be something that we could boast of, but may we understand that they are your workmanship in us for your glory. God, may our direction be set. May our decisions be holy. And may our definition bring clarity to your purpose in our lives so we may be resilient disciples of you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ingrid.